All right, guys. Well, we're really enjoying our time with you. Um, I just, just want to pray before I go into what I feel like um, he's put on my heart to share. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. You knew how much we needed the Holy Spirit, how we desperately need to rely on and look to and cry out to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit who is our teacher. Holy Spirit, you are our teacher. You open up the word to us. You open up our minds to your th the thoughts of God. And we thank you so much, Father, for sending the Holy Spirit. Father, I ask that the Holy Spirit would be the teacher in this remaining time, that whatever needs to be shifted, that he would help that to shift. Whatever our eyes need to be open to, that he would help our eyes to be opened and give us ears to hear what he is saying. Lord, I pray that all performance in marriage, all measuring, any control, anything that we do that is coming out of fear, that all of that, Lord, would be stripped away. And loving out of a pure and honest heart, a good and honest heart, loving out of pure and simple devotion to Christ, that that would remain. Truly walking in your footsteps, Jesus, and laying down our lives for each other, humbling ourselves, thinking of others more important than ourselves. Thank you for what you are doing, Lord, and we just pray for a continued deep work of the Spirit. We all need a deep, deep, deep work of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you. We're dependent on you. Would you come and do what no man can do? We can't get ourselves where we need to be but you can. Our hope is in you. And we thank you. We can't get ourselves where we need to be. You're going to do it. We can't get our spouse where they need to be. And we don't need to fix them. You do the work. We love. And you do the work, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So Barry pretty much focused on 
the husband's role and what the Lord wants him to do. And I just want to take a minute to um, focus on what he's given us as wives. And Barry mentioned a few things, but I want to share a little bit of my journey. I don't think I shared this last time. I was here, and maybe I did, but I don't think I did. Um, so the whole thing of submission, right? Um, and that was always something that was on my radar. And honoring, obeying him, the Bible tells me to, I want to, most of the time. Um, but because he does lay down his life for me, and I see that. And um, But, you know, there are times when we all have those disagreements, right? And we cannot get on the same page with them. And so, you know, I would say that for the most part, I really, that was my goal. And that's what I aimed for. And that's what I um, worked towards. I'm going to move my chair out of the way. Yeah, I just want to stand up if it's okay. It gets triggered, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um, but so that was on my radar. But one, one weekend, just in my, I don't know, I don't even know what I was doing. And I might have just been cleaning the house, or I could have been taking a walk, or like, I don't even remember what I was doing. But it was Friday or Saturday, and I kept hearing the Holy Spirit say to me, be a daughter of Sarah's, who called Abraham Lord. And he said, my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. They're higher. My ways are so much higher. My thoughts are so much higher. That's all he kept saying. And so then at some point on Saturday, I just had to get down on my knees and start praying in the Spirit because I didn't know what else to do. Guys, praying in the Spirit is such an amazing gift, and I, and I know you know that, but I just want to say... Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of the Holy Spirit and praying in the Spirit. We build up ourselves right in our most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Things come to mind that you would not think on your own when you're praying in the Holy Spirit. He gives wisdom into situations. He gives you counsel. It's such a beautiful gift from the Lord. I mean, if Jesus said, it's better for you that I go away so I can send the Holy Spirit, like, wow, that's so powerful. So I'm praying in the spirit and that just keeps coming up. And I have to say, God, I just acknowledge that you're dealing with me. Like the whole thing of Sarah calling Abraham Lord, like, okay, I don't get it. I'm trying to honor Barry. I'm trying to do my best in this. But obviously, um, there's something I'm not quite getting because you're really dealing with me. And I just acknowledge that. And I'm asking for you to help me because I feel like I'm stumbling after you. And but I. Like, I'm, I keep falling down, and I get back, and I keep stumbling towards this, but I don't really know what you're saying. And, um, <clears throat> but just the whole weekend, just the heaviness and the weightiness of the Holy Spirit. He kept saying, I mean, if he said it once, he said it to me like a hundred times that weekend. Be a daughter like Sarah who called Abraham Lord. And, and it's interesting, like that reference there, that's in 1 Peter 3. 
And um, I'll just go ahead and read that. In the same way, wives, be submissive to your own husbands, so that even if any of them are disobedient to the word, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. As they observed your chaste and respectful behavior, your adornment must not be merely external. Okay, I'm going to pass on. Let it be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. For in this way, in former times, the holy women of old who hope in, hoped in God used to adorn themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you have become her children, or, you know, speaking specifically to wives, like her daughters, if you do what's right, without being frightened by any fear. And it's interesting, like this reference here, um, uh, I listened to a message by John Piper, and he was talking about this, this passage in First Peter, and he was saying like he really believes it's, it goes back to the... Um, passage in Genesis where it talks about them going through Egypt and King Abimelech takes Sarah, right? Because he says, well, she's my sister. And she said, yes, he's my husband. And just, just think about that. Like if we think that anything that our husband's asking us to do, like we think, oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to obey that. There's, you know, I don't feel right about that or whatever it is. Um, Think about this story with Sarah. I mean, this is mind-blowing that she told him, yes, he's my brother. Like, and that she, she obeyed him in that. She obeyed Abraham, and he was taken into the king's harem so that, you know, he could sleep with her. She, listen, she said, it says, without fear. She submitted to him without fear. Submission is really trusting God. Like she was not afraid that anything was going to happen to her. She was trusting God. Submission is fearless. Submission is a strong woman. She's strong. She's confident in God. She said, yeah, he's my brother. I mean, she didn't flinch. He believed her. He didn't say, wait a minute, something's not right. No, she was calm. Yes, he's my brother. He believed her. I think that's incredible that she could be in that situation. And she was unafraid. She knew God, God was going to take care of her. You can know that God is going to take care of you. When you submit to him, he is the eyes of the Lord, the Bible says, run to and fro across the face of the earth. He's searching for those. Now, there's a few times where the Bible actually says God's searching for something. But here he says he is searching for the one whose heart is perfectly trusting in him so he can show himself strong on their behalf. God wants to show himself. He showed himself so strong to share Sarah. Nothing happened to her. King Abimelech, he had a dream. And the Lord told him, you've got another man's wife and you need to give her back or there's trouble. You know, so next day he was like, what did you guys do to me? 
But anyway, that's what this is referencing to. And the fact that she called Abraham Lord, it was just like there's only one time in the Old Testament where she does. And it's just like a little conversation she's having in her mind when she hears that the it's like Jesus comes with the men to Abraham to tell him he's going to have they're going to have Isaac and she's in the tent listening and she's like me being so old am I, I going to find pleasure again and my lord who's also past age is he going to find pleasure like she's just like it was just like her common way of referencing Abraham my lord like she just she just honored him in that way and so anyway that's what the Lord just kept speaking to me about, speaking to me about, speaking to me about that weekend. And then on Sunday morning, I'm taking a little walk around the block before church, and I'm praying. And halfway around the block, I mean, I just felt the weightiness of the Lord, like he was we weighing down on me and telling me that he wanted me to get up in front of our church on Sunday morning and at acknowledge that he was dealing with me and I had to repent this weekend because he he was calling me higher in regards to how I honored him how I treated my husband how I thought of him in my mind he was calling me higher and I, I didn't even know exactly what that looked like or how that all fleshed out I just knew that God was dealing with me and I was repenting and so I was like God no way seriously Lord you want me to get up in front of the church and say this and I felt like he was wanting to call all of us as women higher and that's why he wanted me to do that but I just thought, that is going to be so humiliating, God. That's humiliating. And he was like, no, I want you to do it. And I'm like, God, the only way I can do it is if I know 100% that you're saying it, then I'll do it. If I know 100%. So I walk into church, and I came in a little bit late because I was going to teach children's church this morning, so I put all my stuff in the kids' church. And I came in, and as I'm coming in, the worship leader says, someone has something from the Lord that he wants you to share. And he says, his thoughts are higher than your thoughts, and his ways are higher than your ways. And I was like, I'm going up there. <laughs> but that was like, I just wanted to share that, the dealing of the Lord. And, but you know, he's so, he's so, so faithful. He's so faithful. Ever since that time, that is something that I continue to, to pray about. Like, Lord, I know your ways are higher. And so, so that tells me that I can't think your thoughts unless you show me what you're thinking. I can't know what your ways are in this situation unless you show me what your ways are so that tells me I have to continually turn to the Lord continually turn to the Lord continually pray about it continually ask him and oops I went to the wrong spot um, so <clears throat> I just want to read in Isaiah 64 um,
This is a passage that talks about the Lord intervening. And it says, Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. As fire kindles the brushwood, as fire causes water to boil, to make your name known among your adversaries. God wants to make his name known. That the nations may tremble at your presence. When you did awesome things which we did not expect, you came down the mountains, and the mountains quaked at your presence. From days of old, they have not heard or perceived by ear, nor has the eye seen a God like you, who acts in behalf of the one who waits for him. And you meet with him who rejoices in doing what's right and who remembers you in your ways. When I think about remembering him in his ways, isn't he always faithful? As sure as the sun is going to rise in the morning, God is faithful, and he's going to be faithful to you. He's going to meet with you, and he's going to bring divine intervention when we wait on him. He divinely intervenes in ways you could not even imagine. He's going to show up. He's going to reveal what he wants in the situation, and it's beautiful. And maybe he, he can intervene in some doing some spectacular things. He can intervene in, de, in deliverance. Boom. He can, he can intervene in healing. Boom. My daughter, I know you recently had Dr. Davis here. My daughter had um, C. diff, very, very bad bacteria in your gut. 25% um, of the people who have C. diff actually die. They can't, and most of them are older when they get it, and then they, they can't get over it. Um, but a lot of people never get over it, and they just have to manage it. Well, she's living with 15 years managing this, not really knowing what it was because she never had a culture done. And then she finally did have a culture, and she found out what it was, and it was, like, horrific. And she's got... You know, little children she's trying to take care of. At the time, she had um, four kids she's trying to take care of. And like once a month, she'd have this really bad outbreak of it. Fever, vomiting, horrible headache, and then diarrhea. And then the next day, like she's so weak, she can barely take care of her kids. And it was just very random. And it just like probably like once a month or it might be every other week. Maybe she'd miss a month, but it was like just this recurring thing and it just was wearing on her and wearing on her. She kept going to the Lord and praying for healing, praying for healing, and she felt like, Mom, I feel like the Lord is encouraging me, like he is going to heal me. And I want to tell you, she kept waiting on him and waiting on him. And Dr. Davis came one Sunday and he called it out. He's like, someone here has this very bad intestinal issue, and you have been experiencing a lot of pain, a lot of problems. He said, God is healing you right now. And my, it was my daughter, Shana. She had had the cultures done, absolutely verified. She had C. diff. She went all the medical route, all, taking everything the doctors are telling her to, 
everything they're prescribing, she's doing it. She's not healed. So we go all the natural route. We do supplements, expensive supplements for six months. She totally changes her diet. At the end of that, she's still not healed. And she's like, okay, God, only you, only you, only you, only you could heal me. And he healed her. Then she went and got another culture and she's completely free. She's completely healed. So we're just so thankful. But as we wait on him, he comes to meet with us. He comes to intervene. It may be provision in some way. One time our little son, Wesley, I mentioned deliverance. Like he was under a demonic attack. He said, Mom, I cannot. He's only four years old. He said, I, and he would pray. Oh, when he would pray, the Holy Spirit just would fill the bedroom. It was beautiful. I loved every night having time to pray with our little son, Wesley. He's praying for the whole world, for revival. It was, it was amazing. Um, just so sweet and so precious. And then all of a sudden, he's like, Mom, I can't pray. Because every time I go to pray, that Satan is yelling in my ear. He can't pray. And he was under such a demonic attack. Like, you could see it on his face. You could see it on his eyes or in his eyes. And so for like a couple weeks, it was horrible. And I had no peace, and I'm continually crying out to the Lord, like, God, you got you to gotta set Wesley free. Like, this, this, can't, this can't stay. We're praying with him. We're trying to help him. We're, we're doing everything we can. And then one night, I'm just sweeping in the kitchen, and after the kids were in bed, and I'm like, God, like, you have, we need you. You have got to help him. Like, is the rest of our life going to be like this? Like, is he ever going to be free? Like, there's no peace in the home. Because Satan is getting in. And the Lord said to me, he said, the question is not if. You know, if he's going to be free. The question is when. Because he will be free. Because I will always get the victory. And so I started thanking him like, you're right. You always get the victory. No matter what situation we're dealing with, we can go to praise. The Bible says from the rising of the sun to the time that it goes down, let the Lord's name be praised. So it doesn't matter what the situation is. We can praise him. He's going to have his way. He's got way more power for the devil. The devil's actually his servant. So we can praise the Lord. So I started praising him. I'm like, that's right. That's right. I don't know how long it's going to last, but you're going to win. You always have the victory. Yes, God. Next morning, it was totally gone. Never came back. Praise God. He's so good. So, um, and one time, I just want to say one more thing, and then I want to get into something else. But, like, one night, um, one night, Barry was going to be late for dinner. The kids were home from Chris, or for, um, I don't know what break it was from college, but a couple of our college kids were home. And then we had some of the younger ones in the house. And, um, you know, when they're home from college, we just love to really eat up that time with them and make sure we were very intentional because most of the time they were gone. And, but that particular weekend, um, Barry was extremely busy, different ministry things. And then my son, I believe, who's going to go back. I don't remember exactly what the days were, but I just know that um, the the next day that my husband went, 
The next day when my son was going to have to leave, the day before, we were all going to have dinner together because it had been like a really crazy weekend with ministry and everything. And so, but it's getting later and later and I'm getting everything ready for dinner, you know, and I'm like, oh, I hope Barry's going to be home, you know. I hope this is going to work out and he's going he's gonna to get home. And, um, you know, and one of my sons in particular who this was very important to that his dad be home and have one more last meal with him before he went back. He's like, Mom, Dad's coming home for dinner, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, Dad's going to be home for dinner. And so, that is, but it's getting a little bit later. And then Barry calls me and he's like, oh, you wouldn't believe it. Like a main line broke. And there's just like a fountain of water spraying all over. He said, I've got, he said, I'm on my way to Home Depot or Lowe's or something. I'm going to get the parts and I got to go back and fix it. So I'm not going to be home for dinner. And I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, This is bad. This is bad. And I'm like, okay, well, and he's laughing. He's like, you know what? Like these things are just so out of my control. And I'm like, I know you're right. Like, I love you, babe. I'll see you when you get home, you know, and hang up the phone. And I'm like, oh, Holy Spirit, I need you because I know my son is going to be, he's going to, he was going to take it as rejection. I'm like, oh, Holy Spirit, I need you because the enemy was working on me too. Like, oh, the family's not important enough. Could not, you know, get that figured out because, well, he's just got to take care of the business and sorry, family. That's the enemy. That's the accuser of the brethren. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, I need you because the enemy is definitely attacking my mind right now, and I need your wisdom here. And then um, and then my son comes, and he's like, oh, dad's not going to be home? I'm like, sorry. It's out of his control, like. Uh, one of the guys broke a water main and there's water spraying everywhere and dad's got to take care of it. And he just goes out of the kitchen and I could tell like he's hurting. He wanted to be with his dad. And, and of course he would have a little bit of time later, but he just was ho- looking forward to the whole evening. And I was like, oh, Holy Spirit, really need you, really need you, really need you. Holy Spirit, what are you, you know, just praying in the spirit. And we sit, down to, we sit down to eat, and I'm like, guys, dad couldn't be home. I explained the situation. And I'm like, and I know that that's really, really hard. But you know what? When I talk to dad, I mean, think about, think about dad. Like, he's been in the sun all day, so hot in Florida. He's exhausted. He's tired. It had, we had all known it had been a really busy weekend. And I said, um... But you know what? He had such a great attitude. I said, he was actually laughing on the phone. I said, I just pray that all of you guys sitting at the table, that you will bless your families the way dad has always blessed us because he never came home in a bad mood. Even though his brain was, you know, Fried from a hundred phone calls and all the hard work and all my all my our sons had worked with their dad at the business at one time or another and they knew and none of them wanted to take the business when it was time like that none of them like no way dad worked way too hard I'm not doing that I said you know how hard your dad has worked and he's never come home in a bad mood though his head may be 
you know, have a ham, uh, you know, just a horrible headache from being out in the sun all day. And no matter what, like he's always in a good mood. And they're like, wow. Yeah. And I felt like the Holy Spirit and turning to him in that, he was able to come into the situation when the enemy was at the door pounding to get in. He wanted to bring in strife. He wanted to bring in confusion. Well, you're not really loved. He wanted to bring that into our home. But the Holy Spirit helped that door to stay shut. So... So recently, I had another time of crying out to the Holy Spirit because earlier, um, well, in the, in the fall of last year, I, um, I don't know, I had just a really disappointing thing happen. And it really made me question, and of course, I mean, the accuser of the brethren, like, he's pretty sly because you think it's your own thoughts. Right? We don't always recognize that it's the enemy. So I just came through like a time of like being really strongly disappointed. And it really did stem from some of my childhood stuff. And, um, but anyway, I was just praying about it. I'm like, God, you know, like, I'm mad about that. I'm mad, and I'm really hurt. I'm really hurt, God, that this happened. I just feel like I'm not important. I don't feel like I'm seen. I don't know. Like it, it feels like it feels like I'm not loved. And it and, and not just it. It wasn't like primarily about Barry although he was like involved like in it but it wasn't it wasn't primarily him it wasn't like I didn't feel like I was loved by my husband but just this situation and this disappointment was so great and it just it felt like it hurt me so deeply but I kept going to the Lord about it because I'm like Lord I, I don't understand this I don't understand okay so Barry wants me to tell you what happened um to make it more clear but Every year on my birthday, I never knew, am I going to have a birthday celebration? Am I not? Usually I didn't. I remember having a few birthday parties. Um, but, am I, yeah, as, as a young girl, am I going to see my dad? Am I not going to see my dad? Um, all of that. Usually I didn't see my dad on my birthday. Um, and like I said, he lived five minutes away. So I'm like, come on. I don't live that far from you. Um, but anyway, um, so this past year, I turned 60. And I was like, I, but I always played down my birthday because I didn't want to be disappointed because I was always disappointed on my birthday. Every birthday, I was disappointed, except for a couple. And so that I really brought that into our marriage. Poor Barry. <laughs> so, so I'm always like trying to play it down. Like, no, I don't want to party. I don't want to, you know, I just, no, let's just do something low key. But then guess what happens? The hurricane comes. And we don't get to do anything. 
<laughs> we, um, but Barry did take me away for a few days in December for my birthday. Um, but anyway, the hurricane came, and so we didn't even get to go out to eat. But we went and got dinner, and we brought it back. But I, I had told my, so I love burgers. And so on my birthday, I always get a burger and french fries. But I told my daughter, now I want to go get a nice burger and fries. I do not want to go to Outback and get a burger. <laughs> well, guess what we ate for my birthday dinner, Outback? Because everything else was closing down, and that was the only place we can go and just get a burger and bring it back, and that was decent. So I was like, Lord, I just felt like, I just felt, he set me up, right? He set me up. He made that hurricane come through, and, you know, doggone, it was my birthday, and I did not want that Outback burger, and that's what he gave me for my birthday. <laughs> I'm like, Lord. Um, but... I don't know, for some reason, like, that really, really bothered me. Just the whole scenario, like, everything that was involved in it, there was so much pain in my heart. And I was like, God, I just, I don't know why, like, I'm struggling with this. Like, would you help me? Your thoughts are so much higher than mine. Like, I'm stuck with my thoughts. I need your thoughts. Because I can't, I'm hurting thinking my thoughts. What are your thoughts about this? What are you thinking? And I'm going to write down, um, and I wrote down one night I got up and um, wrote down a few things about this whole situation. Because the Lord came to me and he said, Diane, you're asking the wrong question. You're asking the question, am I loved? At the, at the bottom of it all, like you're asking, am I loved? So you look into the people in your life who, they do love you. He said, but you're looking to them to find your value. And he said, you're, you're asking the wrong question. Sometimes we withhold love because you know what? When you're stuck in that garbage in your mind, you can't really love, can you? You just feel so broken and you can't love. Sometimes we withhold love because we feel like we have not been rightly loved. This is wrong. The question of whether or not we are truly, completely, and perfectly loved was settled at the cross. Only Jesus can love us perfectly. Only Jesus. No one else can, nor should we expect them to. And I wrote down Jeremiah 2. Truly an incredible passage of scripture starting in verse 12 and leading up to verse 12. Um, the Lord saying, like, why didn't you remember me? Like, I brought you out of Egypt. And I miss that tender, deep love we had when I first set you free and brought you through the wilderness. He said, I miss that. 
when you would turn to me and I did all these amazing things. And then in verse 12, he says, like, to me, this is incredible. Like, God is calling the heavens to be appalled and to shudder. That gets my attention. <laughs> what are you going to say, God? He says, be appalled, O heavens, at this, and shudder. Be very desolate, declares the Lord. Whew. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewn out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. God alone is the fountain of living water. All the others are broken cisterns. They cannot hold water. To look to another for what ultimately only God can give us is wrong. And by the way, we're all broken cisterns. We can't put the expectation on ourselves to meet everyone's needs and to be the perfect wife and to be the perfect parent. We can't. We are not God. God doesn't want us to be codependent on each other. He wants us to look to him alone, be filled to overflowing by him, be completely secure in his love, and from that place, be his hands and feet. He wants us to release the expectation as well that others can or should meet our needs, and love us perfectly. They can't, and that's okay. It's okay that you're not perfectly loved by your husband or your wife. It's really okay. Only Jesus can, and Jesus does love you perfectly. You are perfectly loved. You can stop asking the question, am I loved? You can stop asking that question. Don't ask it anymore. Because that was settled at the cross. When Jesus, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Release your husband. Release your wife from the false expectation that they need to love you perfectly. They can't, but Jesus does. He knows all your flaws. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He knows every single flaw, every single sin, every weakness, all your dysfunction. And he loves you. The Bible says that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. Let his love soak into your soul and permeate every fiber of your being. And then love from that place of being eternally, securely,
completely and perfectly loved. So good. So good. Let's just take a second here. I don't usually do this like this, but I would like everybody to close your eyes. If, if you at this moment feel stuck, like Diane was describing, feeling like you're not being loved well, if you feel in your heart disappointed in your marriage, even though you have a believer for a spouse, you just feel disappointed, like this is not what I signed up for. If, if there's an ache inside of your heart and soul, I believe that this is a moment where the Lord wants to encounter you by his spirit and pour himself into you and bring into you the assurance and, and fulfill the longings that you feel will never be met. And you look forward to the future and you feel sad because you feel like this is never going to change and I'm going to be stuck here like this for the rest of my life. And you just try to put it out of your mind because you don't want to deal with it. If, if you're feeling that way, I want you to raise your hand if you feel those things. Because I believe the Lord has come here with healing hands to touch you and to encounter you in ways that maybe you didn't expect. Before we came here, a friend of ours was praying over Diane and said, I just see the Lord's reaching out his hands and there's healing hands. And I believe it's for this moment. And so I'm going to pray for you. And I think it's important that if you feel this way, like don't, don't cop out. Everybody's eyes are closed. Your spouse's eyes are closed. Raise your hand because I want to pray for you. And I believe it's important for you to take a step of faith to say, Lord, I want you to come and fill this thing in me where I have this void. All right, we're going to pray for you right now. Father, I pray for every one of these who feels stuck whose heart feels broken, who feels on some level abandoned and hopeless, looking toward the future with just angst and not with joy as far as their marriage goes. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would come to each of those people by your Holy Spirit and that you would so fill them and convince them of your great love for them and that you would take away the fogginess and the confusion and the disappointment and the despair from their minds in the name of Jesus. I break that spirit of despair over every mind and every heart. And I pray that hope would arise. Lord, I pray that you would give them solid conviction by your spirit that they are eternally and beautifully and fully loved by you and that that is sufficient. And Lord, I pray that wherever there is dysfunction in the marriages, that you would begin to bring healing and wholeness from the place of them being secure in your love for them. 
Help them, Father, in the name of Jesus, to be part of the solution, even in their own marriage. But I pray that you would minister to them in a deep and profoundly impactful way in their heart and in their soul this very day, and that it would continue. This would not be the end game. This would be the beginning of a transformation inside of their own heart and soul. All of those chafed and broken places... I pray that you would pour the balm of heaven of the Holy Spirit and heal those places that are chafed and bleeding and sore. Only you can do those things, Lord. Only you can reach to the innermost parts of our hearts and souls. But I pray that you would do that now in the name of Jesus and that hope would arise. Again, Lord, I pray that you would give them ideas and put your thoughts inside of their hearts and their minds. Put your wisdom and understanding inside of them as far as how to move forward in ways that actually make them an agent in their marriage of wholeness and of true healing. Let them become the person that you have called them to be in their marriage and to trust in you, to be like Sarah, a daughter of Sarah, a son that trusts in you, that you are going to do the thing that they could never do. And their trust and hope is in you and their fulfillment is in you, that they're not looking to a broken cistern anymore to fulfill the thing that only you can fill, Lord. In Jesus' name, take away all of the mentality of the broken cisterns for all of us. And let us look only to you to be what only you can be as our God. Thank you, Father, for your healing hands being extended to every couple in this room that you're bringing wholeness, that you're bringing fullness, that you're bringing joy, that you're bringing restoration, that you're pouring oil. As I'm praying, I keep seeing the picture of the Lord's hand with a vial of oil, and He's pouring it out into hearts to heal the chafed places and to bring healing. Pray that you do that, Lord, and that you would continue and that you would complete the work that you have begun in every heart here, and that you would not stop until you get what you want. We're praying for wholeness in every marriage in this body and in this community. We're praying, Lord, that every marriage in this community would be to the glory of God and would be a demonstration of what God can do in frail and broken human lives, but to make them vessels of your powerful, transforming love and goodness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You're doing healing even in this room, even this morning. You're doing healing. And I pray that you complete, that you continue, and that you complete. Lord, all of those stale places. I, see, I just see like ground that is parched where it's, there's been so long since there's been rain there. The ground just cracks and is open and there's gaps there. And I see that some of the hearts in this room now, your heart is like that. You feel like that. Like, I haven't had the water to slake my thirst of my heart and my soul in so long. And I'm so parched, I don't think my heart could even absorb it if it was pulled, poured out upon me. And the Lord says, I will pour my water out upon the dry ground. I will bring refreshing and healing 
and restoration to the dry ground. And not only will it be able to absorb the moisture of my love, but it will become fertile again. And it will grow crops and it will grow fruit that will produce fruit that others can eat. It won't be abandoned. It won't be sterile anymore. It will produce fruit and it will come forth with life. For when my hand touches you, you are healed. When my heart touches you, you are loved. And when my spirit comes upon you, you are made alive. Thank you. Let's, let's just continue to pray and just wait. I believe the Lord wants to do a really strong work. It's between Him and you mostly. But he's doing it. So, Father, we rejoice at your goodness. Even in this morning, in this day, your great heart for your people, your great heart for your people being poured out upon them, your healing, your bringing new life, your bringing restoration. We thank you. We thank you. I encourage you to, we're going to move into some questions, I think, here. But I encourage you to take the thing that the Lord has brought to you. This is, this is real, and he wants, to, he wants to make marriages thrive. That's his heart in his body. He wants, to, he wants your marriage to thrive. But it starts out with your own heart thriving. All right, so pulled out a couple questions here. We'll see how many we can get to. Um, one of the questions is, how do I find ways to bond with my spouse when we are polar opposites? Um, again, Julie Slattery. I'm doing a Bible study with some women at our church on um, pursuing intimacy. The intim yeah, pursuing intimacy. And um, it's been really, really good. Um, one thing she, so s some of the things that she has said are fresh on my mind because just going through that. But um, she says, our differences are not meant to destroy love, but they test love. They test love. And humility supernaturally paves the way for unity through our differences. So I love that. Differences can divide us. 
when we become proud and self-righteous. My way's right. <laughs> Your way's wrong. So, you know, but love is not self-seeking. It's not demanding. It's not, yeah. The humility um, and gentleness that's described in James 3 is easy to be entreated. I love that. You're open. You're open to others. You can listen. You can really hear their heart. You know, so I think that's important to remember, especially when you're saying polar opposites. That's, that's pretty strong. Um, oh, okay, James 3, 17. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and Barry has gracious by it, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. And Barry and I were discussing that earlier, and that peace is like, it's a relational peace. Like your desire is unity, you know, and that's going to come through humility. <laughs> so... Um, I don't know. Is there anything you want to say on that? Uh, lean into the Holy Spirit. Ask him for ideas. I ask him every day, every day, I believe, of my life. I ask the Lord by his Holy Spirit to put his thoughts in my mind and his desires in my heart. And, and he's faithful to do that. And in your marriage, if you ask the Lord, I mean, so so often we talk about doing these things, but then it ends up we don't ever do them. <laughs> but if, if you'll actually take initiative and go before the Lord and ask him to give you, to show you and teach you ways to actually love your spouse well, you'll be amazed that he will answer you. He's, he's anxious for that to happen. And so I would encourage you to go before the Lord. I mean, truly, we say in premarital counseling, the things that you guys hold in common are like money in the bank, and the things that are differences are take hard work. And and there's some truth in that. But if you if you and your spouse are polar opposites, then the Lord is your hope. No matter what, it, whether you and your spouse are just very much alike, you, the Lord is still the only one that can fill your marriage and make it beautiful. And that's a testimony to him, just like when he brought the Jews, and the Gentiles together. There's never been two groups of people that hated each other more. That was way bigger than black and white racism, way bigger. The Gentiles and the Jews hated each other, and Jesus brought them together. The power of his sacrifice was so great that he took warring factions that despised each other and brought them into one to where they loved each other. That's so, the amazing thing about calling disciples that some are zealots and some are tax collectors. Like, how wise is that? <laughs> it's like, okay, let's put Joe Biden and Donald Trump on the same team um, because it's going to show my glory and my ability to transform hearts and to make two warring factions into one loving marriage. It's, it glorifies... That marriage has the potential to glorify God more than ones that are alike. I will just say that. That's a real thing. Because if God can do that in your marriage, 
you're going to give hope to a whole lot of people. Yeah, and you'll always have a job. Because there's always, there's always people that are looking for help in their marriage. I can guarantee you, you'll always have job security. Okay. One other thing I'd like to say about that is that, of course, intimacy. Intimacy creates that bonding that is stronger. It's like, it's stronger than anything else. And um, oh, a wise old... Uh, Grandma from the mission field said, you know, marriage needs lots of glue. Sex is the glue. <laughs> said, you need lots of glue. So it, um, you know, there's a, when you, when you are intimate with your spouse, oxytocin is released with the husband and the wife. What does oxytocin do? It creates the desire to bond. Now for, oh, a mom, she has that too when she's nursing her babies. But for the husband, this is the time that it's released. It's an intimacy. And it's creating that bond where I want to love you, I want to take care of you, I want to be faithful to you. Hey, who doesn't want more of that in their marriage, right? So, We had a little panel one time, and Diane and I were on it. They were just talking about relationship. I think it was Valentine's Day. And so um, she surprised me even with this. Like, they were talking about uh, something. I forget what the question was. Babe, you might remember what it was. But she, she goes down and pulls out of a bag and pulls out a candle. And, and she says, light the candle. And one of the girls in there, mo most of us knew what that meant. I, I said, oh, wow. Um, so, but one of the girls that was sitting there on the panel goes, Light the candle. She goes, like, do you mean, like, literally light it? Like, can you unpack that a little bit? And everybody started laughing. Her husband's like. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was pretty funny, pretty awkward. But, but, but there's, there, there's truth and reality. Look, God created it. And the reason he did is because sexual intimacy and marriage is exclusive inside of a covenant and it creates a, a bond there and you know i tell diane baby i got to go out and fight dragons every day so like this is what gives me the courage to jump up and go out and jump over walls and fight dragons and cut their heads off and it, it, it's real there is that real thing every guy in here can testify that that's true and and ladies if you want to bless your husband just put this in as a little caveat there um if every now and then you take the initiative, it would be amazing. So you guys can thank me later. <laughs> uh, uh, that, that's really true. Okay, how should I pray for my husband? I struggle with wanting to control and change him. Boy, that's a real thing for us wives, right? Well, you know, I mean, from the beginning, didn't God say that to Eve? Like, you're going to desire to... Con to to um, control your husband. So, but what, so we can't change him. And <laughs> we can't fix him, we can't change him. And we, and we don't need to. <laughs> and we don't need to, praise God. That's, a, that's the Holy Spirit's job. So, but have I struggled with this? Big time. 
big time. And you know why? Because I'm afraid. Because sometimes my go-to will be fear. Now the Lord is teaching me, let your go-to be praise. Let your go-to be praise. Know that I'm going to do what only I can do. And your job is just to love, and then you trust me to do what is completely out of your control. So we can't control them. We can't change them. And just know that as soon as you bring, oh, my gosh, it's embarrassing, but have I tried to manipulate? Well, if I say this, then maybe he'll think that. Manipulation. If I'm manipulating, am I loving him? If I'm trying to control him, am I loving him? No. If I'm, I'm going to be angry or I'm going to withhold from him to try to get him to do what I want him to do, I'm not loving him. All of that stems from fear. Jesus set us free from fear. Fear is not our mode of how we operate anymore. It used to be that's how the world operates. It's out of fear. But we don't operate that way anymore. We operate out of love. That's our ruling emotion now. It's love. And so all of that has got to go. Criticism, I'm going to separate from you because you're not doing what I want. Um, love is its conditional on you doing what I want you to do. Feeling frustrated, wanting to dominate, control. Or am I trying to... Please, you know, win love by pleasing so much that I'm gonna, you're gonna love me because I'm doing so much for you. Like all of that is not love. We're using people. And because we're thinking, because they are, they're, they're a broken cistern, but we're deceived thinking that they have the water that we need. And they don't. They don't. So I think most of these are, are you. Uh, Um, as one who has battled control and is working toward releasing it in many areas how do we know when we are controlling our spouse or actually calling him higher sharing truth and wisdom well yeah it is a very good question well we know that we are controlling when we, we really want a certain outcome. You know, we have to release that to the Lord. Um, I think we share with them. I think there needs to be an, an honest relationship and an openness with each other to where you can say what you really do think. And, you know... I don't know. There can just be that open sharing, like, okay, this is what I really see. This is what I really think in the situation. Um, but I think we do need to be really careful, like, in calling our husbands higher. I think about the story of Esther. I mean, that was pretty. That was pretty much a crisis, right? Because all of Israel was going to be wiped out, right? So even in that situation, she prayed and she fasted 
Like, I'm not saying you have to pray in your fast before you go ask your husband something or you have something that you feel like you need to say. But um, she was sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And then the first day of the banquet, she didn't even tell him. Why didn't she? The Holy Spirit gave her a check, I believe. The Holy Spirit checked her and said, "Mm -mm, not tonight. And she listened to the Holy Spirit. She wasn't so sure of her own agenda and what she wanted to do. She was like really focused on the Lord and praying and asking him for guidance and direction in this matter. And I think that that's really good for us. We should learn from her. And we pray and we ask the Lord, like, there might be things I feel like I need to say. And like, God, would you open up the timing? Because our our husband's egos are pretty fragile, you know? And, you know, when they feel like we're correcting them or we're a mom, oh, my gosh, no. They do not want us to be their mommies, you know? And they don't need us to be. They're men. And they're to be respected and honored. And so um, I think we need to, you know, just really ask the Lord, I would ask the Lord. And then it's just really amazing. Like he might have something totally in mind. That's going to totally blow your mind. Like as you're waiting on him, like, look what, look what Haman did. Then that one night when she waited, he builds the, builds the gallows to hang Mordecai, you know, and then all of the, the, the plan gets revealed. You know, cause God is just so wise. He didn't give her a release. So pray for the Holy Spirit to give you that release if it's something he really really wants you to say. Maybe it might be a time when you just give him grace. You just give him grace. I've heard the Holy Spirit say that to me so many times. The first eight years at Heart of the Father were so unbelievably hard. I cannot even tell you how hard it was. And the Holy Spirit kept telling me, give him grace. Give him grace. I know everything's not the way you want it. And I know you see, you see some problems. He's like, I want you to give him grace right now. And one time, um, I just felt like he was really struggling. But he's doing everything he could. Sometimes our husbands are doing everything they can. And they're just being beat up. And I knew he was just, I could just tell, like, he was beaten up in his soul. Well, I didn't really have that language, but I just knew, like, something's really wrong, and, like, he's, he's struggling. And I went to pray, and here's another time, like, waiting on the Lord, like, he wants to give us wisdom, and he wants to give us direction. And I was praying, and I was just praying in the Holy Spirit, praying, 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 and it just, just kind of rose up out of me, his soul. Like his soul needs to be restored. His soul needs to, he's suffering in his soul and his soul needs to be restored. And the Holy Spirit is like, yes, that's right. That's what I'm saying. And that's what you're praying about. And tonight, I want you to light the candle. I want you to give him a back rub. And I want you to pray that as you're massaging his back, like that I am going to pour myself through you 
I'm going to use your hands. I'm going to pour myself through you. And I'm going to come into him. I'm going to minister to him. I'm going to fill him up. I'm going to restore his soul tonight. And after you, the back rub, and then it's time for intimacy. He said, I'm going to restore his soul. And you know the Lord did that. It was beautiful. I didn't tell Barry afterwards. You know, I didn't like... Maybe a week or two later, I was like, you know what? That night, like I really felt this way, and I prayed that day. And he was like, honey, I felt that's exactly what I felt like. I felt like the Lord came in, and he restored my soul and ministered to my soul. But um, Yeah, and just encouragement for ladies. Uh, it is true that most men have a fragile ego, and that the one thing that we fear the most is not being a good leader for you. Um, that's a real thing. And so the, the one thing that is demoralizing for every man is if he feels like he can never please his wife. And there's always a problem, and it's never enough, and it's never good enough, and it makes him want to quit. And so I just encourage you with the whole timing thing and praying into that, the timing of sharing. I'm not saying I'm not one to avoid confrontation when it's necessary for sure, but to actually make sure that you are putting forth an atmosphere of affirmation and of respect. I mean, you, you see, like, the Lord really only gave you one part in the play. <laughs> respect, honor, you know, uh, obey. And, and if, there's, if there's an affirmation there that is communicating respect to your husband, it makes it a whole lot easier for him to hear what you're saying. If he feels like, here we go again. It's never good enough. I'm not a good enough husband. I'm not a good enough spiritual leader. I'm not a good enough dad. I'm not, a, I'm not all of this. And, and, and often I think husbands feel like they're being compared to all of the other amazing men of God that you don't really know, but you see from afar and think that they're this amazing thing. And why don't you have those 10 things of the 10 greatest guys that have ever lived? The, the reason is because that person doesn't exist. Um, and so for a guy, just saying from a man's perspective, for, for a wife, just to hear this, that the one thing that demoralizes a man quicker than anything else is if he feels like his wife is disappointed in him and he can't ever do it right. So just, I would just say tread lightly on that and, and be prayerful, truly be prayerful. And in your heart of affirmation, and just like Diane just shared there, the, the giving of yourself to him, I'm not just talking about sexual intimacy, although that's important, but you, your being in his corner and him feeling like you really do honor him and that you're glad to be married to him. <laughs> Like, there's something that that does in a man's soul. And you're not enabling him to be a jerk when you do that. You're really not. You're actually calling him higher, even though you don't have to use the words. But that makes him want to be better when you are that way. It really does. So just, that's kind of the balance there. Yes, we talk to each other openly. We have, uh, you know, we hear the things. But there's also, there's got to be an atmosphere that supports the conversation, if you follow what I'm saying. And that atmosphere is, I really respect you and honor you, love you. I'm so glad to be married to you. I think you're a wonderful man. You know, I mean, every husband loves to hear that. And it makes him courageous again. He's like, okay, I can do this again. So just ladies, 
just FYI, I believe that's really true. And again, I hear it from guys. I've, I've actually had two guys, which is really rare. Guys usually don't talk about sexual intimacy with each other, okay, um, in their marriage. They don't do that because every guy wants to feel like he's the macho guy and his wife is all about him and whatever. So it's, But I've had two guys literally sit across the table from me and weep and cry because they felt like that their wife was unresponsive to them sexually. I've had that happen twice. And um, it's, it's hard. It strikes at the heart of, of a man's sense of, of worth and of his sense of identity. It really does. I mean, you can say, well, just get over it. Well, yeah. Um, but I believe that there's a better way than that. And, and again, we're both, the, the atmosphere is all important. So for the husband to build an atmosphere of trust, of protection, of I'll lay down my life for you, I'll sacrifice my own preferences for you, I'm not going out with the guys tonight because you're tired, I'm going to do the dishes. I mean, those kinds of things speak to a wife for sure. But on the other hand, what speaks to a man's soul and his heart is my wife really does respect and honor me. She does appreciate the things that I do. One of the things that was a game changer in our home, just like she mentioned before, is that, yeah, I, I worked really hard in my business. Um, and when we had Heart of the Father on top of my business that I was already working 60 hours at and I was preaching and teaching and an elder there as well at the same time, that was a hard season. I was telling Paul the other day, like, I would get up at 3 in the morning and study and prep for going, we're going through books expositorily, verse by verse, and I would be up there Wednesday night, and honestly, I was almost unconscious. I was so tired teaching up there. So it's just crazy. It's not, it's not a hero thing, but it's just real. There's seasons where it's just really hard. And, and the encouragement of, of your wife, um, of a wife, for the ladies here, to your husband, especially in those times, is just a huge game changer. It really is. Yeah, and just remember, like, in the act of humility, you know, and not feeling like we have to control or we have to, you know, say things that we think are getting off or wrong, um, we're opening up the door to the Holy Spirit. We're opening the door to the Holy Spirit to come in. And when he gives conviction and correction, you're changed forever. Someone can tell you something, and you, well, maybe you change for a little while, but when the Holy Spirit does it, you know, then that's beautiful. That's that. There's going to be conviction that will carry you the rest of your life. Yeah, and and just another thing that Diana's done really well with our kids. Um, honestly, the reality is, my kids love and respect me the way they do because of the way my wife talked about me when I wasn't there. That's true. Instead of rolling, like, kids see when you roll your eyes. Did you know that? <laughs> they see it every time, and they know what it means. That means when a wife rolls her eyes or a husband rolls his eyes, the kids know, oh, they don't respect each other. They know it. But she would always say, Daddy's worked hard today. He's coming home soon. And, guys, what if we all let him sit in his chair and we'll come and rub his feet? Or... Let's just tell Daddy how thankful we are that he works so hard for us to take care of us. And my kids, adult kids today, they're almost 30 years old, still tell me that to this day. 
Dad, thank you for working so hard for us all those years. Like, you know what that does to my heart? I'm like, oh, it was nothing. No, I'm like, no, that, that makes me so grateful. And I don't look back at those years with regret or with pain. I'm just thankful for that. And, and just, you know, you attribute it to what's really true. God's grace enabled it. So that one's addressed to your name. Okay. It says, when you, Diane, feel as though your husband is missing or not seeing, or not taking something seriously, how do you handle that in your heart? That's really hard, right? Because we do want to be seen. And I think that part of what I shared um, is answered in the question, you know, like with my whole birthday thing and feeling like, wow, um, am I seen? Am I really loved? Um, and when the Lord told me, like, you're answering, you're asking the wrong question, like, am I loved is the wrong question. You are deeply, forever, eternally, completely, perfectly loved, and that was demonstrated at the cross. And so let that for, he said, he said, don't ask that question anymore. Like, you are so loved. Um, so, you know, to, to look to another is their broken cistern. You know, Barry is not going to be able to meet all my needs. And he's not going to see me all the time. As hard as that can be sometimes, he's not going to meet all my needs. And that really is okay. He's not meant to. Now, if there's something that um, is really, really important to me, and like I said, I will pray, and I'll ask the Lord to show me the timing. Like, I feel like, okay, I do need to say something about this, and I think it does need to be addressed. The Lord, show me the timing, and wait for a time to do it, and again, go in a meek and quiet spirit. You know, I appreciate you. I love you. Um, I honor you. Um, and sometimes I'll say, can you help me understand this? Because the way I'm thinking about it, I'm feeling hurt right now because I feel like I'm not important or something that is important to me. You're not taking it seriously. Like it doesn't really matter to you, but could you help me understand like why this is that we have a different reaction to this or why there's a difference here? Because I'm only seeing it from my perspective. What's your perspective? Because I know you do love me. He doesn't love me perfectly, but I, do, I know he does love me. I know you love me. So can you help me understand from your pers this from your perspective? Because the way I'm thinking about it is making me feel hurt. So, and I know I'm not thinking about it rightly. Can you help me? That disarms. He doesn't feel attacked. He feels like, okay, I can open up my heart. You know, we want to, part of, I think part of being feminine is being that we're open. We're open to our husbands and we, we draw them in. You know, we draw them in. And even, honestly, just the way God made us. He made us that way. And 
So in opening to them, just like, can you explain and help me to understand your perspective? I think that takes down all the walls. And I think that's been super helpful for me when I didn't feel like she was attacking me. So this to me is genius. And I think the Lord gave her this idea. It's totally genius because we men, we like to fix things. Just tell me what it is. I'll fix it, baby. And she's like, well, honey, can you help me? I mean, putting it out like that, like, yeah, what, what do you need me to fix? It's yourself. Uh, so uh, I, I think it's genius. So she'd say, but just it's so disarming to say, this is the way I'm feeling and affirming. I know that you love me, and I appreciate so much the way that you love me. But right now I'm feeling like when you said that or when you did that or when you didn't do that or when I didn't feel seen, my heart is hurting right now. And can you help me to understand what you meant or what you, your intention was when you did that? Ladies, this is genius. It's so good. It's disarming where you don't get behind your trenches and you start finding, yeah, but you, you know, no, you're not that. No, I'm just asking you to fix something. Yeah. It's you, but I'm asking you to fix something. So I think it's great. And for me, it's been super helpful because I think, again, for guys, we, we get defensive very easily because our, our ego is fragile. Our pride gets wounded easily, especially when it comes to things that are so dear to us, like rightly taking care of our family and our wife. So if you as a wife can come with a disarming um, approach like that and just Basically, you put it on yourself. I just, I just think it's genius. Or I, I'm feeling this way. Can you help me understand like why I feel this way? And then you're like, oh, probably because I've been a jerk. Um, but it's so much easier than hearing you've been a jerk. And like, what? <laughs> Where have you been? You know? So we, we can approach in love. And, and love is always redemptive in what its purpose is. It's not, it's not about winning the argument. It's not about winning the argument. It's about winning the person. And so if we approach with that in mind, it's always a win. Um, so that's good. more secure so you're asking how you can become more secure as a man um, I think one of the ways is to ask your wife questions and to say when you're feeling good not when you're feeling weak and wounded already but but when you're feeling good and your wife's smiling at you and you got that glint in her eye you know and you've taken her out to her favorite restaurant and she's feeling very cared for I mean ask her the questions and say, honey, I really love you. And I've been praying into like being the husband that is actually going to play the role there that the Lord has given me. Is there anything that you could tell me that would help me that I'm probably not seeing? Because I know, like we can all admit we're blind in areas, right? We should all admit that because that's so obvious. Um, 
But if you ask her questions, she's the one who is actually best equipped to help you, I think. And I would just ask her questions, you know, periodically when you when you're feeling up to it, <laughs> and your ego's feeling like you're you're you know you're uh, you're feeling secure in in your marriage and in your wife's love for you. I would I would just occasionally ask her questions like that, like, what what can I do to love you better? What would make you feel more loved and cared for by me? And um, I think that's a game changer. And. I love the quote by Lisa Turkhurst, inside every man is a punk or a prince. And the one you speak to is the one that you're going to do life with. So that'll help build you up. <laughs> um, and then someone wrote the question, how do I, how do I be um, meek and kind without being a doormat? Build up your husband. And speak to him as that prince. That's the one you'll be doing life with. And he won't be the punk that's treating you like the doormat. And if he is, like, be a daughter like Sarah and don't give in to fear. Don't give in to fear. Leave the results to God. But you do what he wants you to do. And you open up the door to the Holy Spirit in your home. Yeah, we'll close with just by saying, in addition to that, you, you call your husband higher, and this is one of the most powerful things that a wife does. I mean, 100%, I would not be nearly the man that I am today without my wife. Absolutely. She's called me higher in a lot of ways, but mostly the way that she does that is not by directly calling me higher. You know, you really could get better at this. Like that, That's not a good approach for a man's ego, just saying. Uh, it may be, you know, it's honest, but there, there's other ways of, of doing that. And the affirmation route, when you see a little glimmer of something, praise it heavily. <laughs> Thank you for being so sensitive. Like you, I feel like you really saw me in that moment and you came over here and you knew that about me. And I am so thankful for that. Um, that's like the experiments with the, the mice and the rats, right, where they attack the elect, they attach the electrode to their brain, their pleasure center of their brain, and when they push the bar, you know, they feel pleasure, and they just keep on to do that. So, um, so ladies, if, if you want your husband to, to be that guy, praise him when he does something right and encourage him in that way, and that does call him higher, and it's, it's a win-win. It's awesome. Can we give Barry and Diane a hand this morning? Thank you guys for coming this morning. It's been awesome. I pray it's been a blessing for you all. Um, they're going to be sharing again tomorrow morning. Um, so we're really excited to have them here this weekend. Um, we're going to be spending some time with them tonight. And they'll be with us tomorrow morning. And um, Barry's going to be preaching on Sunday night. So told <clears throat> told Barry to preach revival fire. So whatever that means to Barry is what we're going to get. And of course, the Holy Spirit. So um, we're really excited. If you would, before you leave, um, just take the time to thank them and just you know encourage them. Doing this requires a lot of vulnerability, a lot of honesty. 
Um, obviously, even bringing them here is not free. Hotels, planes, we want to take care of them. So if you feel led to sow extra tomorrow, um, we would appreciate that as a way to try to cover bringing them here. Like, like I said, the stuff doesn't happen for free, and they're totally worth the investment. I know they've changed our lives, our marriages, and it's so awesome uh, to have them making an impact here at our Father's house. Just real quick before we're done, when we were all praying, I felt like the Holy Spirit gave me a picture of um, like a big, huge rock. And then I saw the hand of God and a chisel and a hammer, and he literally tapped it one time, and the whole thing fell. And there was a picture of a couple like embracing. Um, I feel like the Lord just wants to encourage some of your hearts that there's going to be a quick transformation that came through this morning that you're afraid of the constant chiseling is this annoying yes <laughs> you're afraid of that and so you're resisting and the lord is saying to let me come and let me do it there's going to be quick transformation and it's only by the power of the holy spirit not by anything we did in the natural Amen. come on prophesy woman <laughs> All right, we love you so much. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Yep, and there is a photo booth in that front room if you want to take a picture there. We'd love for you to take a photo and share it. We want to continue to get the word out about the good things that God is doing here. We love you guys. God bless you, and we will see you soon.